It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a surge for Syracuse basketball recruiting and the state of Orange Athletics. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is Ryan Murray from Rivals.com and CuseConfidential.com. Ryan, always appreciate you coming back on the program. Yeah, no problem, Wes. Anytime. Yeah, and Ryan, we'll get you started on this one. Syracuse landing two recruits this week. We'll start with Benny Williams, 6'8", 180-pound recruit in the class of 2021 out of the D.C. metro area. He's rated 52nd in the class by rivals and four stars. What's Syracuse getting from him? This is kind of the the ultimate recruit Syracuse loves. Um, He was a guy that started playing varsity basketball early in his career, but, you know, he wasn't the guy. So he, he kind of had to sit and wait his turn um, and then kind of grew up the ranks, and now he's the, the go-to guy. So he's, he's not really a big ego guy, comes in, knows his role, um, and, and can go from there. He is a skilled player and uh, can play every position. That was one of the things coming out of high school. You know, There were some coaches that didn't know they, – they wanted to offer him, but they just didn't know where he was going to end up. So I think having a defined role as a, as a small forward, which Syracuse wants him for, uh, is only going to help him kind of elevate his game because he's going to be able to focus on on one thing. Uh, and he's a tough kid. Uh, there's been uh, there was a game early on in his career where he kind of got elbowed in the mouth, cut open, needed stitches, and he was back playing the next day. So this is this is a kid that's got all the tools offensively, defensively, and he's got the the right mindset to go along with all those tools. Um, so this is a, a huge get for Syracuse. They've wanted him for a, a long time. And uh, to get this commitment to start off the 2021 class is, is the way to go. You just mentioned kicking off the 2021 class. Williams is obviously the first guy. Syracuse clearly not done. Who else are they looking at? Uh, there's there's going to be some adjustment work to be done, um, in my opinion, because there's a lot of small forwards that were on their list, um, like Quincy Allen, John Camden, um, Arthur uh, Coloma, who can play a little power forward. But he's got a lot of... SU's got a lot of small forwards uh, types like Benny Williams on the roster, so they're going to probably have to go out, reevaluate some options, and go from there. Uh, but the, another one of the, the big people that they're after is uh, power forward center by the name of Mac ATN. Uh, they really liked him. Uh, he was up here for the um, the Syracuse Duke game last year with uh, Dior Johnson and, and that that group. So he's really high on Syracuse. He may um, reclassify to the class of 2020 in the next couple of weeks. That's uh, that remains to be seen. But if he does stay in 2021, I think the Syracuse Orange have a great shot at him, and he would be a nice piece to add. You know, a power forward that could come in and play. Quincy Garrier is going to have another year on him. So and uh, Woody Newton are going to be there. But you know, this is a Mac at ATN is a, a guy that's really a game changer at the position. But one guy that I like who's kind of under the radar, does not have a Syracuse offer yet, um, is Jai Smith. He went to Bishop Ludden High School in the Syracuse area, transferred out. Now he's at St. Thomas More um, in Connecticut. Um, three-star kid, but he's uh, a power forward, kind of one of those guys that can sit back for a couple years, and then when he's a junior and senior can really contribute to the team. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens the next uh, couple of weeks and months with the 2021 class. 
But you can't forget about that 2022 class that's already got the number four prospect, Dior Johnson, on board. We just talked about the class of 2021. You touched on Dior Johnson, the class of 2022. Let's talk about 2020. Syracuse picked up a commitment from three-star center Frank Anselm, 6'10", 220-pound center, originally from Georgia. Tell us about him. Uh, he's a, a solid fit for the, the Syracuse zone, you know, one of those long-rangey guys with a, a big wingspan that can kind of anchor the 2-3 um, the, the zone that Syracuse runs. Um, he's an active defender, um, big rebounder, uh, rim protector uh, type, um, and it, it bodes well for Syracuse. Now they have they have four centers in the mix now. So just the odds are that, you know, one of these guys is going to work out. Um, but as most uh, centers coming into college, his defensive game is ahead of his offensive game. Um, but he is good, close to the rim, and he's really good in a pick-and-roll situation. Uh, so if they can get that running, um, he can you know, drop in a couple buckets um, early and then just kind of progress going over the next few years and kind of work on that offensive game. Um, but he's one of those guys kind of like Benny Williams. He understands you know, the, the team concept and understands his role on the team and doesn't do too much um, that he knows that might be a little bit above his skill set. So he plays within himself. Uh, and he's just going to be an all-around, could be an all-around solid addition for the Orange. And Ryan, we'll get you out of here on this one. You've been with Rivals for over a decade now. You saw Syracuse get hit with recruiting restrictions back in 2015. Recruiting dipped as a result. Getting guys like Anselm, Johnson, Williams this year, does this signal that Syracuse recruiting is back? I, I, I think Syracuse is, is back um, in recruiting as far as now, but I don't, I really don't think they ever really left. Uh, if you Look at the the situation, you know, going back to 2012 with the, the Tyler Ennis class. You, you look at the, the, the building blocks of what was there, the foundation that was supposed to be around when these sanctions hit. Um, you had Tyler Ennis, Jeremy Grant, players like that, and then you lose those guys. So you're out recruiting and you take a class at the start of this in 2015 with Mustafa Jang, Frank Howard, Tyler Lydon, um, and Malachi Richardson. And Frank Howard is the only one of those players that was here for four years. Jang was unable to compete there because of NCAA um, issues. Then you had Richardson being the one-and-done guy, then Tyler Lydon coming in. And then you go to the class after that, and you've got Torian Thompson, who's a top 100 guy. Matthew Moyer was a near top 50 guy. Um, those guys both left. Um, so over the, the, the sanctions, there was um, about seven players that Syracuse had up until I, I went back to O'Shea Brissett. Seven players leave early for the draft, um, and then they had six guys transfer. I mean, that's 13 players that you have to replace kind of on the fly, and you, you get some hits in, in Marek Dolajai, and then you, you kind of get some guys like Robert Braswell who kind of didn't really pan out the way you, you hoped they would when you took the chance on them. So I think Syracuse is, even with the sanctions that have been there, it's just been a matter of, you know, keeping the guys that think they can play in the NBA a little bit longer, but really having to, to hit on those other guys. Uh, so I, I think Syracuse has, has been there. I think now with having more scholarship players, it would it does take the burden off of when you do lose those guys, you're going to be able to reload with somebody else that you like instead of, kind of scrambling at the last minute for 
a grad transfer, another transfer, anything like that. So I think Syracuse is there. They, they just really, during this whole time, really got hit by people leaving early for the NBA and transferring to other schools. So I, I think Syracuse is there, and I think they're only going to continue to kind of rise up, you know, with players like Benny Williams and Dior Johnson. You know, once you start getting that nucleus together again, the more players are going to want to come. So it could be really interesting for the, for the Orange in the next couple of years. Ryan, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Again, our great friend Ryan Murray from QsConfidential.com and Rivals.com. If you're not subscribed, make sure you check out the site for some great recruiting information. Ryan, appreciate the time as always. We'll speak with you soon. All right, Wes. Have a good one. Great stuff from our friend Ryan Murray. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, we're nearing the middle of the calendar year, and it's perhaps the most unique year in Syracuse athletics history. Let's start with basketball. We left off with Syracuse playing what would be the final game of the ACC tournament before it was canceled due to COVID. What led up to that, and where do we go from here? What a win it was for Syracuse to end the basketball season, too, West. And, you know, it was only the second time in Jim Beheim's career that he won his final game of a season. And we certainly know what the first time was when they won over Kansas in 2003. But I was looking back at the three major SU sports that we cover for the Juice, basketball, football, and lacrosse. And, boy, six months have gone by, as you mentioned, but it seems like an eternity with what's gone on in society. And remember in January we were talking about for the SU basketball team, not about postseason, would they have a losing season And would that be the first losing season in Jim Beheim's career? Then we come to the beginning of February. The largest crowd for a college basketball game this season appeared in the Dome as Duke came for that Saturday night game in which they beat the Orange. And then we go to the end of February, and Syracuse played one of its poorest games of the season in the final game under the old original or the second incarnation of the Dome roof, the Teflon roof, when they fell to North Carolina on the evening that John Wallace had his number 44 retired to the roof. So then the Dome closes, the Orange finish the regular season and go to the postseason tournament at the ACC tourney in Greensboro and end up playing one of their better games of the season in defeating those same North Carolina Tar Heels in the second round of the tournament before, of course, the season was uh, suspended the next day. And so the other change for the Orangemen, we saw players that they have lost, such as Elijah Hughes getting now ready for an NBA draft that may be coming up this fall because of the pandemic. And then, as we've talked about on the podcast the last couple of weeks, the coaching staff does what it does best. It goes out and recruits and adds more talent to the Syracuse basketball roster, whether that be transfers or recruits coming in as new, new players. So that trend has continued. Uh, right up until the last week as more players have committed to play for Syracuse basketball moving forward. So where does that leave basketball? Well, recruiting is going great. Uh, The coaching staff is doing what they can versus the conditions and the restrictions have been put in place. And obviously everyone's going to be waiting to see for football first before we get to basketball. But as you look at the state of the Syracuse basketball program heading into a very unusual summer period, everything certainly is looking bright and orange for the orange basketball program. 
Brad, we left off with the football team just beginning spring practices after a 5-7 and seven season where they missed the bowl game after having lofty expectations. A lot going on with them as well with a new 3-3-5 defense and a new defensive coordinator in Tony White. Where do they stand as of June? Exactly, Wes. It's changed. We have a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator. I already think you have seen the results in recruiting as Syracuse, again, with the restrictions of COVID and doing all the recruiting virtually, have targeted the players that they know that can best fit in their system. Forget the stars. Forget the star system, which we all know that we all love and talk about and debate about in college football and basketball recruiting. But the key to the success of a program like Syracuse is identifying the players that best fit in your system. Of course, they have to be athletic enough to play at the ACC level. We know that they're going to go after players they feel are athletic enough to perform on the field. So identify those players, intently recruit them, promote the family atmosphere that is Dino Baber's legacy as a head coach, and certainly as he's trying to make it as his legacy at Syracuse, promote the family atmosphere and get early commitments from these players. And that's what they certainly have done. So again, from a recruiting standpoint, I think everything is right on track where it needs to be heading into, you know, this fifth summer for Dino Babers before going into season number five. But with so many question marks still surrounding, will the season start on time? Will it be abbreviated season that every coach is facing? Again, I think the Syracuse program is in great shape with its recruiting in great shape in getting the coordinators installing new game plans on both sides of the ball. And I also think this about Dino Babers. You know, there's been talk about with what's going on in society, protests against racism in America. And, you know, we haven't really heard anything from Dino Babers at Syracuse. We've heard from the athletic department. We've heard Jim Beheim making some comments, but really nothing from Dino Babers. And I really think that's a reflection of his personality. Power five head football coaches are high profile. But even in that kind of position, Dino Babers is one of the lower profile people in in power five coaching. And I think that's been reflected as to why we haven't heard any public uh, comments about uh, what's going on around the country from him. Uh, He's one of the few African-American head coaches in Division I football. So I think that's been kind of interesting. It's something I've really thought about. And uh, I I really – just think that parallels the kind of personality he has. And I think he's just quietly doing what he has to do, getting ready for the season, letting the chips fall where they may on things that he can't control. And he's just going to be focused on what he can control. And that is trying to lead this football program back to a bowl game when games are returning to the schedule. Brad, closing out the big three of Syracuse athletics with the men's lacrosse team, When things were canceled, they were the number one team in the country and in a position to win a championship for the first time since 2009. That was an incredibly disappointing way to end what was a very promising season. Where are they? Disappointment in knowing that you were headed probably for a good shot at a Final Four in lacrosse for the first time since 2013. Tremendous disappointment for the players on the Oranges. They were really starting to gel uh, in, into mid-March with the number one ranking and the unblemished record. And since then, what we have seen is, well, a deserving honor for head coach John Desco going into the Hall of Fame. But as what has happened with the pandemic affecting the world of college lacrosse, well, 
unfortunately, we've seen programs like Furman drop the sport, and I don't think that's going to be the first time we see this moving forward in sports, in, in more of the Olympic sports around Power Five college campuses as they reassess the economic fallout of this pandemic. So Syracuse has benefited with a couple of transfers from the Furman program. Uh, the transfer portal and lacrosse is kind of crazy because players can uh, announce their intentions and then play for another team the following season. Uh, and, and I think Syracuse is going to be as strong as ever next year. A couple of players that, that didn't get a lot of playing time the last two years have left Syracuse for the same reasons. But I think uh, Desco and his staff has replenished that talent and that the Orange are going to be as strong as ever when it comes back to lacrosse in 2021. Uh, but again, the Syracuse lacrosse program in great shape for when they come back to competition, just like basketball and football. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. I'm still having trouble getting my hands around that roller coaster look of the carrier dome, Wes. Uh, the new structure above the dome that's going to hold the roof that's going to be put in place starting in the month of uh, later here in June and into July. And just seeing the new structures, kind of still getting used to it because we've, we've had 40 years of the Teflon uh, uh, puffy surface of the dome like a pillow. And now the, the site, as I've seen the pictures and some of the video of the new dome, a little bit jarring still to a longtime Orange fan. And that, that's just a thought I've had. And Really want to see how that plays out before I can think that through a little bit more. But just a little bit jarring with that new construction at the Carrier Dome. Brad, my closing thoughts are on Quincy Gurrier, who underwent surgery on a torn muscle in his groin last week. He'll be out six to eight weeks while he recovers, but he should be back healthy in time for the start of the 2020-2021 season. I can't wait for Gurrier to build on a freshman season where he averaged 6.9 points and 5.3 rebounds in 20 minutes per game. Just wishing him a speedy recovery. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that YOLO means you only live once, but if you believe in reincarnation, it's YOLOBOT. You only live a bunch of times. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.